program has brought children from multiple different countries to other locations that they utilize. Um, and again, to emphasize, when I tell everybody, it's always, no matter how many times I tell people and go through this, they always ask me, is it really free? And the answer is yes. I'm Holly Wayment, and this is Pediatrics Now. What you're hearing is the sound of a place where children who need it are getting free surgery, and their families and those children have all expenses paid. It's part of a new partnership with University Hospital. It's called Fresh Start. And joining me back here in the podcast studio today is Pediatric Surgeon-in-Chief Ian Mitchell. Ian, thank you so much for being back here on the show. It's great to be back, Holly. I just get chills when I hear about your program. It's amazing. There's, as we all know, there's so many painful things happening in the world today. And this is such good news. Your program's making a difference. Can you tell me about it? It's a new collaboration. Um, the Fresh Start program has been around. It started about 20 years ago in San Diego. Um, it grew to Chicago. And then uh, as of last year, we at University Health here in San Antonio uh, have become the third the third place uh, where it's conducted. And the way it works is that um, children who have a particular need for a procedure or a surgery um, and who cannot pay for that procedure or surgery um, can receive it on a weekend, um, and that is done by volunteers. So our surgeons, nurses, anesthesiologists, techs, translators, um, essentially everyone volunteers their time um, to treat those patients over the weekend. The hospital itself receives um, money for the use of the room and the lights and, and the water and all that from Fresh Start. Um, and then the patients go back to their homes or their locations, and uh, the parents and patients do not receive a bill. Uh, the patients that we look for are principally cosmetic and reconstructive surgeries, and we'll get into kind of what that means, but I'll be honest, we use a very liberal definition of what is, is cosmetic and reconstructive um, and we look for patients who are either uninsured or often underinsured. So what you find when you start looking under the hood, so to speak, is that uh, we have several children who may even have insurance. Their parents may even have jobs with insurance, but it turns out that that insurance doesn't cover whatever procedure it is that they need. Or we have children who simply don't have insurance, can't get insurance, um, and then, but still need these operations to be done. So our pediatric practitioner listeners really, you know, and that's a tough thing that they see pretty regularly, families where they can't afford a surgery. So would they tell the family to look up Fresh Start? They don't need to send a referral right away, right? No, not at all. Um, www.freshstart.org. Um, and even if you just Google Fresh Start Surgery, you'll get straight to the page. The page is a simple application in English and in Spanish. Um, actually, in our community here in San Antonio, we've translated into Pashto for, for those that need it. Um, but it is an application that basically asks, what is the, what is the surgery that is indicated? Um, some basics about the child and their general health, and some very easy questions about income and insurance status, and that's it. Um, essentially, the way that it functions is if accepted into the program, um, then the surgeons will evaluate the, the, the operation, the need, and go over their, um, 
the necessity for it. And if it's there, then patients are accepting the program and essentially Fresh Start, if you want to call it, becomes your insurer for this procedure. Um, and so Fresh Start has set up uh, a rare, robust collaboration with the hospital so that the bills do not go to the patients and that they essentially have a special medical record number that corresponds to this. And we work through that if they do need, for example, imaging, um, preoperatively, or if they need therapies postoperatively, um, then those are also covered by Fresh Start as well. Um, to be honest, the most common question that I get from any pediatric practitioner that I have spoken to about this program is, is it really free? Um, and they all give me that look where they sort of turn their head and drop their eye a little bit and say, is it really free? And the answer is, the answer is yes. Um, for wow. the patients and the families, it is. Obviously, we work very hard to secure donations for Fresh Start to keep this going, um, but it does provide this service to these families at no cost. That's amazing. Could you be doing surgery to help kids who have been injured in Israel or Gaza or Ukraine? It's certainly possible. The context within the program is we sort of, if you want to say the priorities, we go Bayer County, South Texas, the world, um, and no application that I'm aware of has ever been rejected simply because of where that person is coming from. Um, and so all the applications are looked at. Now, from a resource standpoint, obviously, our resources are not unlimited. Um, but we have, in both of our previous surgery weekends, operated on patients who have come from Costa Rica. Um, the rest of our patients have been from Texas, but not even necessarily Bear County. Um, and so we would definitely consider those applications and look at what resources we have available and also what the requirements are postoperatively. The last thing we want to do is do a great surgery that requires significant follow-up um, or some sort of therapy or something afterwards and then not be able to provide it, and then that resource is more or less wasted. Didn't you go to Costa Rica recently? I think you I texted you and you wrote back to me, but that was for fun. I went to Costa Rica for fun, which I would highly recommend to anybody listening to this podcast. That's something that we promote in pediatrics now, having a life outside of medicine. So you and your family, you like to travel. Your wife is a doctor and you have three kids. We do. Uh, she is, and we have three children, and we've been very blessed to be great travelers and enjoy doing that. What did you like about Costa Rica? Uh, for me, Costa Rica was just the natural environment and the, the zip lining, they call it canopying, but uh, I think the zip lining was the highlight for me. That was, I recently zip lined for the first time a couple of months ago, but it was at the top of a mountain in Utah at 8,000 feet. And I had my teenage daughter with me. I almost didn't do it, but I'm so glad that I did. It is a fun thing to do. <laughs> Ian, can you give me an example of, you know, a, a recent surgery that's been done. It's going well. Yeah, so we've had, um, I can start sort of within Texas. We've had um, a young girl who had an ear tag. Now, most of your listeners are going to know, well, a preauricular skin tag is no big deal, but um, this was a, an ear tag exactly the size of an AirPod, um, and that's in a five-year-old girl, and I think your mm. listeners probably get a mental picture of yeah, as long as her hair is long and no one ever sees her ears, she's going to be fine. But can you imagine going to grade school with that thing sticking out of your ear? Mm. Beautiful girl. Mom works. This is not a, uh, this is should be a slam dunk. At the same time, 
Um, the insurance company will not cover it as it is considered cosmetic. Mm-hmm. Um, and they made a valiant effort, and actually we require a letter of saying that we will not cover this and, and move forward with it. Um, and that's a 20-minute surgery. It's not a huge thing, um, but it's mom didn't have $8,000. I don't think most of us have $8,000 just kind of lying around. Mm-hmm. And so we've been able to change a girl's life, and we know her life is going to be different. With a 20-minute surgery... Um, that we did on a weekend with people who were smiling and happy to be there. Um, we've gone even further from a functional standpoint. We've had uh, children who, one child who came from Costa Rica had a toe syndactyly, so two of their toes were fused. Mm. Um, and again, is that is that life-threatening? No. Could they live the rest of their life with two fused toes? And the answer is yes. Were they wearing sh- through their shoes and couldn't run? Yes. Mm. Um, and so here again is an example where we can do is it what is ultimately a very straightforward surgery um, and had a great result for that surgery. Um, and that child did really well. Because as our listeners know as well, a lot of surgeries that are classified as cosmetic, it's really not it would it would be life changing and really a necessary thing to happen to help a child live life to the fullest. Exactly. Another great example we had um, Dr. Anton Fries, our our chief of plastics, uh, did he a was tos- on the show. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> he did a ptosis repair. Um, and to anyone here, you know, a droopy eyelid that you're born with, again, she can see. But she walks around with a droopy eyelid and has since she was born. She's now five years old. Um, And to be able to correct that with, I would say, a straightforward surgery out of respect for Dr. Fries, it ain't easy, um, Mm. but this is not putting people on bypass. These are not incredibly expensive, crazy procedures. Um, To do something that we do very well here um, has been a real gift for that child um, and for that family. And she's done very well. So the OR rooms are being used for trauma on the weekends, but there's other ones that are available and the surgeons and staff, medical staff, they're all volunteering their time? Everyone volunteers their time. So on the weekends here, for the most part, uh, we operate on our second floor and use those ORs. Occasionally when we have specific pediatric needs, we'll use those on the upper floors. But um, that means our regular pediatric ORs are not used that often or very rarely on the weekends. And so we actually create our own little pediatric bubble on the weekends where we have just our kids in the pre-op and post-op areas. Um, we are running essentially completely and functionally separate from the rest of the hospital, obviously using the instruments and tools and the, and the electricity and all that. Um, but we really just sort of, I call it, you know, it's a little, it's a little baby mash unit up there. And, <laughs> and I have to tell you, the looks on our staff's faces, the spring in people's step, um, we have a great staff that are really dedicated to taking care of peds. And they volunteer to come in on the weekends just to take care of more children. Wow. Um, and so it really is a treat to see. It really raises spirits. You know people are happy for a week after a fresh start weekend. We've only had two, but I've seen it twice. People are just happy about having been there and what they've done. And it must be so gratifying as a pediatric surgeon to see all of this good happening and to be able to be a, a part of that. It is. Um, and we're also finding, you know, to all the practitioners, out, to anybody out there who's listening, we're always looking for more patients. We're always looking. And sometimes we find patients in some of the craziest ways. I, I know that you've 
you've been made aware and, and maybe many others have been, but we had a patient who had come um, for, for a separate charity procedure that um, they had, a, I think it's either an ASD or a VSD for, and required heart surgery through the Heart Gift Program. And while they were in the pre-op holding area, the anesthesiology team noted that the child who was five years old, I think, also had an undescended testicle, um, which mm-hmm. that's not, that's actually a significant issue. I mean, that while at that age, it's unlikely to be functional no matter what you do with it, um, at the same time, if it stays up, the cancer risk goes through the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, and so is it cosmetic or reconstructive? Well, I think most men, men would tell you it was at least reconstructive. <laughs> Um, yeah. And so we were actually able to coordinate the perfect timing where the child had recovered from their heart surgery. And then we were able to, on the Fresh Start weekend, have our charity program take over that procedure and also take care of that undescended testicle. So uh, we find the patients in whatever ways that we can. Um, and we're not at all averse to doing some things that are a little out of what I would say the traditional cleft lip palate comfort zone. Back to the MASH unit. <laughs> a little bit. And it's so great to talk about this in the holiday season and to be able to to give this gift year-round to kids. Our goal is to get to three weekends a year um, and see where we stand. And I think three weekends a year and a goal of three ORs a day um, is about should be about the right size fit for us to see where the program is. And how is it going with, I think, a lot of people don't realize at University Hospital, it's the only level one pediatric trauma center in South Texas. That's correct. And we have actually found a couple patients through our burn clinic. Um, now, in, in one case, we were all set to work on them, and then the family just up and left and went to Houston, and it's just sort of hard to find them. Um, but we actually mm. already have another patient who has been referred by our burn program. And so in some cases, we are able to find these patients through uh, even our own system. Obviously, university is not going to turn a patient away that's there acutely. But um, what a lot of people may not think about is, for example, our burn patients may have chronic contractures or they were often burned somewhere else and have now come to San Antonio. And I think that that's the one of the things to think for your listeners is it's not just the patients who got their injuries or had their diseases develop here, because in many cases they will be taken care of by our system, but those who've had their diseases develop or happen in other places and are now here in San Antonio or in South Texas, um, that's another group of patients that we really look for. And so for the pediatric providers out there, um, if you are able to, if you identify those patients or just people who are out in the community, we've had people referred by somebody's brother who heard about the program and sent someone in. What about if a child is, I know this isn't the medical term, but cross-eyed? Mm-hmm. Is it? So strabismus surgery, um, so if they have strabismus, um, we have not had to do one of those yet, but that's only because we haven't had a patient present. I've already actually spoken with our ophthalmology team who is perfectly willing to, to take care of that. Uh, we just haven't had a patient present. Ian, is, are there any other conditions that are considered cosmetic or anything you'd want to mention here to our listeners? Hey, if you have a patient who has needs this type of surgery. We can, we are happy to try uh, to make those decisions about whether something is in or out of our purview. Um, at this point, we will consider anything. And so even if you may think that this is certainly anything that is functional, anything that is cons- that you might think is cosmetic, 
is certainly under the purview. Um, we have not done dental work yet, but that's only for a lack of opportunity at this point. That's something that we look for in the future. At one point, somebody asked if we could take a spleen out, for which I sort of said, well, I think so. Let's see what we... Th and it turns out the patient needed their spleen out earlier than... than the, and that was for a, a, a hematologic condition. They needed their spleen out earlier than our weekend, and, we, and the hospital found a way to take care of that. So what I encourage people is... If you have a child that needs something, apply. The, the worst thing that will happen is we're going to say, you know, not right now or, or not really, doesn't really apply to this program. Um, and there are some children, I've participated in a couple, where it would take so much resources to, to fix their problem without really improving their quality of life that those are the ones where you have to say, you know, I'd really love to help, but, but we don't, it's hard for us to see the big gain out of this. Um, but again, examples that we've had of kids who'd have things you would think are minor and maybe they're okay in an adult. And then you go, would I want my kid to have that in grade school or middle school? And I think we all know that in, you could sort of look at somebody and go, uh, right. We really try to limit the patients to 18 years old and under. We have stretched a little bit up towards 21, especially for um, patients that may have had a congenital or a condition as a child that they've grown with. Um, that is pretty much it. Um, the Again, the, the sort of priorities that we look for is, you know, to be good stewards of the county. So mm -hmm. Bear County first, South Texas, and then the world. Um, but as I've said, we have brought children in from Costa Rica. If you don't have a patient, please consider at least perhaps a donation. We do, um, we have a very robust fundraising team, um, but of course this doesn't happen by magic. Um, our, we have an enormous savings, obviously, in labor costs and all that from the way the program works, but we do need to bring patients here, have them evaluated, and obviously reimburse the facilities. So uh, while we Gladly, we will look at any patient. We would also love if you're any of your audience would consider making donations at freshstart.org. Those are always welcome. Okay, and again, the, the program is called Fresh Start. I'm talking to Dr. Ian Mitchell, pediatric surgeon-in-chief at University Hospital at UT Health, San Antonio. What's your favorite kind of surgery to perform? Not not one that we would do in this program. I my Actually, um, my... I'm a general pediatric surgeon, and so I operate on newborns to teenagers. My favorite surgery is a thoracoscopic congenital diaphragm hernia repair. Um, and so that's a, it's not a very common surgery at all, and it's done on neonates. So, but it is a, uh, um, it's fun to do. What is that? So some babies are born with a hole in their diaphragm, um, and they can be anywhere from so sick that they need essentially ECMO, they need a variant of cardiac bypass, um, to they can be so well that actually the oldest patient that I did one on was a 16-year-old who had no idea her whole life that all her intestines were in her chest. Mm. Um, and so you can do that repair in people and children who are stable, uh, you can do it sometimes with a camera through their chest, and just as a technical exercise, it is—it's the you know—it's more you can't have more fun with your hands than doing that. Um, but it's unusual to have a child with that disease who is stable enough to do it with a camera, and so if not, we just do it the old-fashioned way through their belly with some needle and thread. Wow. 
That's awesome. Um, well, it's speaking of babies, how are things going with the new Women and Children's Hospital? It's built, getting ready to open, University Hospital's new facility? Absolutely. So Women's and Children's Hospital opens up on Tuesday. So This coming Tuesday? This coming Tuesday. So December 5th, starting at 2 a.m., we will begin moving the babies over. Um, and we will continue moving uh, our obstetrics teams, obstetrics and uh, gynecology patients, and then all of our kids over to the new hospital. We expect it will take all day and hopefully not all night. So that sounds like a big project. It's a huge project. Um, one that has taken, I would say, years certainly of the planning and the preparing, but it has recently taken about a year in the planning and the we're pretty lucky. We get to, to follow the surgeons, rather, are pretty lucky. We get to stay in our operating rooms and then just move the babies when they're ready. Wow. And so it'll be, will all the babies be moved at once? Or? We'll be moving them step by step, mm-hmm. sort of two at a time is, I think, the plan. So we're going to have individual suites for the babies in the NICU? Absolutely. So that'll be a big change. Um, And families will be able to stay there, and there'll be much more comfortable facilities for the families, lounges, family rooms, and those sorts of things. So it will be a much more welcoming um, environment for the parents um, than uh, than our current NICU, which is a welcoming environment because we made it that way, um, but is this much more typical giant room with lots of babies in it that you can see. What about for the the mothers giving birth there? It'll be a pretty amazing facility. Uh, I think uh, it's interesting to me because as a pediatric surgeon, I didn't spend hardly any time, honestly, over on the obstetrics ward except occasionally counseling a postpartum mother about something that their child had. And so it wasn't until only a few months ago that I went over and saw how amazing it has been to do the work we've done in our current delivery suites. Um, when you see them, you realize, wow, we've done an amazing job with what we have, but it's too, no, it, it's just too small. And, you know, no pun intended. We are, well, pun very much intended. We're bursting at the seams. And so the difference between the wards um, from the obstetric wards and the C-section suites and all of that, where we have been working for uh, here at university, to the new building is just night and day. Um, I've taken several tours around the obstetrics ward, um, and the sheer size and the number and the comfort level has just gone through the roof. And the fresh start surgeries, though, will stay at University Hospital? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So we'll keep them. Most of our fresh start patients are uh, are either same-day surgeries or they go home the night after, so or the day after. So a cleft lip patient or some of the stuff we've been talking about goes home. A cleft palate usually stays the night, make sure the babies can can eat and go home. So, uh, But the patients will still park in the new garage. They'll be welcomed through women's and children's. They'll come up to our preoperative area, which we will be remodeling to be more uh, to look more like our women's and children's. Um, our operating rooms are staying right where they are, but actually, because of the geometry of the building, our operating rooms will actually be significantly closer to some of our pediatric units now, even though they're in the building next door. Um, and so, uh, and then those patients that need to spend the night will be getting it a nice brand spanking new hospital. Do you have a quote that may inspire people or a favorite quote you'd like to say? Actually, what we were talking about before the podcast was uh, I was at the Children's Hospital Association and the one of the people who gave a talk said, you know, what country won the most medals at the 2022 Chinese, uh, Beijing Olympics, rather? And the answer is Norway. And for perspective, that'd be like if Colorado won all the medals. 
Because Norway is the size of Colorado. Because Norway is the same population as Colorado and probably roughly about the same weather. Mm. And what was fascinating is when they reviewed, when they asked the Norwegian Olympic director what the secret was, he just says with a straight face, no jerks. I love it. And my and the quote was, it stuck with me, it really has, in that if you're really good at this and you're a jerk, don't worry. We'll find somebody else who's really good. And I think that's my mantra moving forward is uh, no jerks. I love it because, and I admire how you're so such a great surgeon, but you're also such a nice guy. I appreciate it. <laughs> Pediatric Surgeon in Chief Ian Mitchell at University Hospital and UT Health San Antonio. Thank you so much for being back here on the show again today. Thanks, Holly. It's great to be here. I'm Holly Wayment. You're listening to Pediatrics Now. Joining me here today is Utica Gray. She's the National Director of Fresh Start. Utica, thank you so much for being here today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. It was so great meeting you on campus the other day when you were here for these amazing surgeries that are being done. Yes, it was finally great to be able to put a face to the email address. Surgery weekend was amazing. Um, the energy was high. The volunteers seemed really excited to be there. So we're really fortunate to have this partnership with um, University Health. And um, we're looking forward to our future surgery weekends. Utica, what, what was it like? Uh, tell me, you know, when you saw this weekend, what was, when you're talking to the families and you're right there in the OR, what was the feeling? Um, there was an amazing feeling of gratitude. Um, all of the parents seemed extremely grateful and fortunate that they had found our program. Um, they were grateful that an organization exists to serve children um, like their own. So um, if I had to sum it up in one word, it's definitely gratitude. Emotions were all over the place. There were lots of smiles. There were some tears you know, which is understandable, tears of joy and excitement that their child will finally receive the surgeries they had been waiting for. But also, you know, as parents, we're always going to worry about our children. And so it's scary um, to know that your child will be going under anesthesia. But overall, I think um, the joy and the excitement outweighed the tears of worry. Yes. And it's, so opposite from you know what we're all seeing on the news right now, all the violence affecting people in Israel and Gaza and the children being affected. What do you say to that when we hear you're able to help kids get surgery to heal? Um, I will say, you know, I as one of the leaders of this organization, I feel extremely fortunate to be able to serve in a role where I'm able to see transformations happen. Of course, I understand everything that we're seeing over the news, um, all of the sadness and all of the grief. So it's a great feeling, especially in this day and age with all that's going on, um, to be in a position where I'm able to witness joy and gratitude and satisfaction and wonderful teamwork and excitement. So it definitely um, helps to lighten the heavy feeling um, that's going on in the world today with all that's going on. 
I know it's so heavy on all of our hearts and especially the pediatric practitioners where they're wired to help children, right? Right, absolutely. So if we are able to somehow connect with those children who are in need, um, we would be happy to help them. We do have three locations. We have one in San Diego, we have one in Chicago, and we also have one in San Antonio. So we are ready and willing to um, step into that gap of need. Um, we just need a way to connect with the children who will be in need of our services, both overseas as well as here in the United States. So we provide um, cosmetic surgery, so reconstructive surgeries to disadvantaged children who have a deformity as a result of birth defect, accident, abuse, or disease. Um, again, we do these three times per year at the surgery weekends, and they're possible because our surgeons and um, other medical professionals donate their time to do these surgeries. So some of the surgeries we have done, and this is just a short list, um, we've addressed hairy nevi, um, we've addressed patients who have had strabismus, um, cleft lip and palate, We've had quite a few male gynecomastia cases um, where we have done breast reductions. We've also done um, a breast reduction on a, a teenager who had extremely large breasts and it started to affect her physically with back pain um, as well as her posture. So we've done some of those surgeries as well. Um, microtias. Um, we have had patients who've had Apert syndrome. So really our services um, span the gamut. Um, this past surgery weekend, we served um, six children. Um, one had a ptosis, so it was um, a, an eye condition. Um, we did two otoplasties for children who had enlarged and protruding ears. We did a um, Palatoplasty for a patient who had cleft lip and palate, and also we did an ear tubes procedure on that same patient. And we also performed um, two orchioplexies for um, two little boys who had undescended testicles. So we had a variety of surgeries this past surgery weekend. I think um, people who represent insurance companies probably feel that if it does not affect um, everyday life function, so, you know, even in cases of cleft lip and palate, there's a huge hole um, in the child's mouth. But if the child is able to somehow eat or drink, it's still considered cosmetic. Mm. It's so tough. Well, so what does the pediatric practitioner need to do? Is it the first step? Tell the patient about this group called Fresh Start that you can find your website. Yes, absolutely. So the first step would be to inform um, the patient family that our services exist. Um, the next step would be to apply on our website. Um, the application is available in both English and Spanish on our website at www.freshstart.org. Um, our medical program manager would then receive the application and she would follow up um, with the parents or guardian of the patient to um, ask additional questions for clarity and to request um, additional information such as um, images may be needed, photos, 
um, MRI results, um, medical reports, and maybe even sometimes a narrative to explain how the deformity has affected the child. And then we take it from there. There may be additional medical testing that may need to be performed. And if that's the case, Fresh Start does pay for that. And our medical program manager will assist in getting those tests scheduled. So you, when you were a child, there was a moment that inspired you to go into this work. Can you tell me about that? Um, sure. I would say it was my very first volunteer experience. Um, I was 11. I was a sixth grader. And um, as part of a program that my middle school had, they had a partnership with um, Park School, which is located in Evanston, Illinois. It's a school that serves um, children and young adults who have developmental disabilities. And so um, one of my passions is math in addition to science. So I had the opportunity to tutor a young woman. She was 21 years old and she needed assistance in math tutoring. So I would uh, go after school. Um, the park school was in walking distance of my middle school. And so I would walk over there and I would tutor her. Um, so that was my very first volunteer experience. And ever since that moment, volunteering and being of service has been a huge part of my life. Um, I still continue to volunteer on a regular basis with a number of organizations, including Girl Scouts. I've been a Girl Scout troop leader. Um, I volunteer through my church, and I'm also very active in my sorority, um, which does a lot of service to benefit the Evanston and North Shore um, Chicago community. And I have children of my own who are teenagers, so they have always grown up around service themselves, and volunteering is a huge part of their lives as well. And I do think anyone who's a parent of a teenager, I think we should get some sort of medal for just the day-to-day, -day, right? I. <laughs> I admire you <laughs> for your hard work there too. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, and we both are Northwestern graduates. Yes, go Wildcats. <laughs> I went to the Medill School of Journalism where I got my master's degree and you did your undergraduate at Northwestern, right? I did. I understand that you are a belly dancer. I do. I don't do it as much as I used to, but um, yes, I belly dance. I perform through um, my park district. So I was not at all a professional. Um, I did it for recreation <laughs> and to stay in shape. <laughs> yes. Tell me what led to becoming, learning how to belly dance. And it sounds like so much fun. Yes, it's actually um, something I took up after I had my second child. I was looking for a way to lose the baby weight, but I wanted to do something fun. I don't really enjoy traditional workouts, cardio. I do it, but I don't enjoy it. I enjoy dancing so much more. And I heard that belly dancing was a lot of fun and it burns a lot of calories. So I figured it was a win-win. So I decided to take up belly dancing and it was a lot of fun. You know, it was something I did on Thursday evenings. And what I loved about it it was a variety of women who did it. Um, younger women, there were grandmothers in there, women of different shapes and sizes, but we all found um, a source of enjoyment that we could all do together. So I think that's what I enjoyed the most, the camaraderie um, around it. I know you, um, you mentioned you'd like to bake. Can you tell us uh, what's your favorite thing to bake? Um, 
you know, I really love the holidays. I like baking around the holidays. So probably peach cobbler. And I love baking um, my grandmother's pound cake recipe. I would say the secret ingredient is love and and patience, really taking your time with it. it. It's not a recipe that can really be rushed. Well, Utika, it is such an honor. I feel so lucky to be able to be talking to you here today. I know um, we talked about a quote. So on Pediatrics Now, we love quotes. Can you read to me your favorite quote? Sure. So my favorite quote is by Margaret Mead. And it is, never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. I love that. Utika, thank you for your wonderful work and for helping children and for being here today on Pediatrics Now. Thank you. It's truly our pleasure to do the work that we do. And thank you so much for inviting me. That's Utika Gray. She's the National Director for Fresh Start. I'm Holly Wayman. Thank you so much for listening to Pediatrics Now. Cases, updates, and discussions for the busy pediatric practitioner. Our website is pediatricsnowpodcast.com. On there, we have a link to our new podcast, Pediatrics Now for Parents. Health information in 10 minutes or less for the busy parent. Chances are there's stuff in there that you want your patient to know from top scientific experts that you don't have time to talk about in the exam room. You can find that wherever you get your podcasts or on our website. Coming up next week, antibiotic stewardship in the newborn.